Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly Weaver, and I'm the owner and operator of Rosebud Wellness, where I practice women's holistic health, utilizing acupuncture, Chinese herbalism, yoni steaming, and Arvigo abdominal massage. And I'm also a new mama. This podcast will be part information on women's holistic health practices that I use in my practice, and part conversations with women who are mothers or hope to be mothers on their journey through menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. Please enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you in part by the Rosebud Wellness Shop. You can find us over at rosebudwellness.com shop. On the shop, you'll find six different Yoni Steam herb blends for a variety of different conditions. You can read specifically about all of the ingredients that are in the herbal blends, what you would use them for, and some specifics about the days of your cycle that you would use the herbs. There's also a video for an at-home steaming guide so that you can feel confident that you know what you're doing before you embark on this journey. But if you also don't feel so comfortable just starting on your own, you can also sign up for a consult with me, which is also available at the shop. So go ahead and check out rosebudwellness.com shop. Hello, friends. I have a really fun episode to bring to you today. In this episode, I am interviewing a good friend of mine, Christine Burgos, and she is a mama to three boys. And I actually learned a lot about her story that I never knew about um, in this episode. And we've been friends for over 20 years. So it's wild what you can uncover when you have the real conversations about things. So enjoy this episode with Christine. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And also I wanted to mention that um, if you would like to purchase herbs, as always, please use the coupon code WOMB, W-O-M-B, at checkout on rosebudwellness.com shop, and you will receive 10% off your first order. And please also don't forget to join us over at the Womb Wisdom community over on Facebook. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Christine. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. I am here today with one of my very oldest and best friends, Christine, now Burgos. I was going to say Cooper. That's your her maiden name. Yep. Um, she is a mama to three boys and has a lovely story to share with us today. So welcome, Christine. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah. So we're going to start with you, with your period history. Um, Can you tell us how old you were when it first started, what it was like for you, kind of what the conversation was around periods? I mean, we went to the same high school, so I have a general idea, but what were some of your takeaways about periods and how did that go for you? So I think I was 13. I was in seventh grade for sure. And it felt very average. It felt like all my friends were having it like pretty much that same month, even like it was, and I remember it was January actually. So I remember like a whole group of my friends got their first period in January or February of that year. And we called it our W day, like our woman day. And we were excited about it. It was like a, I don't know. It was just kind of nice to be going through something that everyone else was going through. And it really did feel like everybody. 
And I can't really remember like a discussion about it at home. You know, I, I knew what it was. I knew it was going to happen. It happened, it happened to everybody. And it was just kind of average overall, I would say. You know, what's funny. And I, I knew I was going to share about this in talking to you, but I don't even know if you know this, but I, the day that I got my first period, which was a year later than that. So that's interesting that you found that, um, everybody around you was, cause I felt like I was kind of late, late bloomer being a year yeah, later than I, everybody. Sure. Yep. Yeah. And so the day that I got my first period, I was at home and I remember my mom giving me a pad and it being like the most awkward thing ever, <laughs> <laughs> as you can probably imagine. But I went to a party at your house the next day or that day. Oh, what party was it? I, you know, I, there is a picture of us doing some, I mean, probably anybody that is like around our age that was like growing up in the nineties and two thousands or early two thousands. Um, I, maybe, I think everybody, every middle school, high school girl, like made up dances to boy bands and we would oh, yeah. make up a dance to boys some to back, Backstreet Boys. Yes. Yeah. And there's a picture of of us doing that dance at your house in your living room. And I know for sure that I had my first period that <laughs> day. It might've even been your birthday actually, uh, maybe in February. So yeah, because year after like all of us, like, you know, like, oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah. I can remember photos from, from that day in seventh grade for mine too. And I was at a party too. And it was at my house. We were having like a over. That's funny. That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Something about that, that time for all of us. I my mom said too, she was like, oh, when you need them, there's Kotex under the sink. And I'm pretty sure like that was the extent of the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Thanks. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and there and was did you have a pop-up did... book like you have. What's that? I said there was certainly no pop-up book like you have. Oh yeah. And I haven't talked about that on the <laughs> podcast yet. There is a vagina, vaginas and periods 101 pop-up book that I already got for my 18 month old daughter. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I'm trying to, she's probably going to hate me for talking about it so much, you know, like we always want what we don't have, but yeah. um, I'm going to try to not make it awkward and overbearing but just to kind of normalize it for her yeah totally um because it, yeah my both of our experience was kind of similar that there wasn't really very much conversation about it yeah and then what about like pain irregularities I don't really remember you ever complaining about it but no. I think yeah yeah it wasn't really painful I remember thinking it was going to be more painful than it was mm. it was really just a nuisance it was annoying yeah but yeah. that was remember but um and then what about birth control were you you were on the pill for a period of time yeah so I went on when I was 15 or 16 and then I stayed on the pill up until I was like 22 or 23 and that's when I had my first son so I was on it all that time did you have any issues with it or it kind of just did its no. thing I did a really bad job remembering to take it. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, no main issues, no like weight gain or crazy hormones, nothing like that. Yeah. A lot of people have sort of like emotional fluctuations with it, yeah. but 
I mean, I think it's cool also to, I mean, I can talk a little bit of smack on, on the podcast about birth control. So I also like for people to share about their positive experiences. Yes. That is the case for a lot of people that it's just kind of prevents you from getting pregnant and that's its intended purpose. Um, Okay. And so then you kind of alluded to the fact that then you got pregnant with Jaden. Yes. Um, My daughter is going to make a cameo right now. Um, I'm going to mute myself and let you just share about getting pregnant with Jaden, which I think was not intentional, but maybe you can share about how that went. Sure. So I think I was 23. Yes, I was 23 when I first got pregnant with Jaden and it was not planned. Um, I definitely, we definitely were not like paying so much close attention to making sure we didn't have a baby, but I don't know. I just really thought for some reason it just wasn't going to happen, you know, which is stupid, but Uh, so did you stop taking the pill so I stopped taking the pill probably I don't know six months or a year before I even got pregnant with Jaden and we were doing like the pullout method which is not a good method but I don't know it was just a time in my life where I just started working I just moved out on my own I just met Nardo who's my husband now the father of um Jade all my kids but I had just met him really and it was just a whirlwind it was so exciting and I really was not focused on preventing the pregnancy at all so I did get pregnant um but it still took me by surprise and I don't know I just I thought about it for a while in the beginning like am I ready for this what am I gonna do Um, I kind of kept it to myself for a long time. I did not tell my parents I was pregnant until I was, I don't know, like four or five months along. I didn't tell my boss I was pregnant until I was probably seven months along and I was huge. I just really kept it to myself and I was just kind of thinking about like, all right, all right, how am I going to get through this? Like, I don't know. I really, I kept a lot to myself, but I also was easily influenced by the people around me because my husband had already had two children. And at that point I was thinking, okay, he must know a lot more than I know. So I'm going to let him kind of take the lead and whatever he suggests, like maybe I'll go along with that. And I had met new friends in my life that had um, already been mothers and they were giving me advice and I was kind of taking it all in. But now that I look back on it, like, I really wish I had just kind of thought for myself more (laughs) because everything that stands out in particular that you did that you kind of wish you did differently now. Um, I don't know. I just, I wish I had allowed myself to be more excited about it. I was excited. Like, it just caught me by surprise a lot. And I almost felt like I couldn't be so excited. I don't know why, because I was nervous. I was nervous to tell my parents, even though I shouldn't have been because I was moved out on my own. And um, I was pretty much taking care of myself. The only thing my parents were paying for at that time was um, I was getting my master's degree and they were paying for that. But for the most part, I was on my own, even though I was so nervous to tell them, I just felt like I don't know. I felt like I was going to disappoint them 
for in some reason. And I just thought that maybe they thought I couldn't handle it. And I wanted to prove that I could handle it and I'm going to do a great job. I'm just going to kind of see what everybody else knows instead of looking into my own intuition, which I was starting to build then. And I should have listened to it more, you know, like focus on whatever I think I need as a new mom and listening to that instead of like having someone convince me to get all these dumb things from my baby registry. Like I didn't really need all that. I really just needed to kind of let myself feel it out. Did you um, tell Nardo right away? Yes. So I told him that I had missed my period and he was like, oh, you're pregnant. (laughs) I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not. And I remember I had like this big thing of orange juice and I was chugging it because I knew I was going to go to the store and get a pregnancy test. So I remember chugging this orange juice on the way to the store, got the pregnancy test and I told him right away. And he was not, it wasn't the reaction that I wanted, but I kind of had the same reaction too. So I couldn't really judge it. Like he was shocked. I was shocked. It wasn't like, oh my God, this is so exciting. We're having a baby. And I think I really did crave that. Like I really wanted him to be excited. And I don't know, I wanted my parents to be excited. And I don't know, I I guess that I didn't really get that as much as I wanted to. And I did like, my sister was getting married around that time. And I called her, she, I actually told her before I told my mom and I called her and I talked to her for like an hour, just about like, you know, nothing about dumb stuff. Cause I was too nervous to tell her what I really called her for. And I said, you know, I'm pregnant. And I said, if you don't want me to be in your, in your wedding, I won't be in it. But now like thinking back on that is crazy. It's like, why wouldn't she want me in her wedding? I wanted and Erica my sister she did she gave me a really good reaction and she made me cry and she was like she's told me exactly what I wanted to hear basically and it was just it made me feel bad that that I even said that like it should be like wow you're you're bringing another family member into our family and this is really exciting I don't know. It didn't, I didn't get that that general feeling from a lot of people, but I never really wanted to like express that or like keep reaching out and being like, come on, be excited for me, be happy for me. So it was hard for me to be really excited about that, even though I wanted to be, because I I was trying to seek that like approval and excitement from others and I was taking a lot of opinions from other people when I should have trusted myself and I would have been way better off because I think I was more capable than I really gave myself credit for you know that's so interesting I never knew that that I mean I I guess I kind of lived elsewhere and was like stuck in my own shit you know I never realized that yeah that people were kind of not that supportive of it you know yeah and I mean 
Nardo is like the best dad ever now. And he's so great with the kids, but I think that he definitely had a hard time connecting to my pregnancy. Um, he didn't want that necessarily in his life right, right then and there. We were, a, it was a new relationship. He already had two children and it was just like, wow, it just happened so fast, you know? And I think he did try to support me in the ways that he knew how, but the fact that he already had a boy and he already had a girl, um, and it's nothing against them. Like they're great. It's nothing against them at all. But I just felt like since Nardo already has been through it, he already had a boy, he already had a girl, like what can I give him, you know? So that hurt me too. So like when I did tell him I was pregnant, it wasn't like, oh my God, I'm getting a baby. It was like, oh wow, I'm getting a third baby. Like, Mm. damn, you know? But I really wanted certain people just to be more like oh my god this is so exciting like look what you're about to do like you are gonna bring this new baby into our life and that's so incredible and I really didn't get that but I also didn't ask for it I mean I do kind of feel like that's the kind of thing that ideally you wouldn't have to ask for and I I will also say you know I think that different people mature at different rates and I know for me like if I had had a child because he was you were 24 when he was born yeah yeah I mean if I had had a child then I just it would have been such a different experience and I mean I think probably a lot of people I mean obviously maybe it's different with like your parents and you know, people in that generation, or maybe not. Yeah. I think that just different people mature at different rates. And, um, I think some of that might've been like your peers were kind of not ready to be in that headspace or something to be like more supportive of that, not to like make it okay, but, um, yeah, just to say that like you maybe were, yeah, beyond the, where they were at. Um, for me anyways, I was not at that level. And I, uh, Jaden definitely was the smallest person I ever held the newest baby I ever held. Yeah. Yeah. He was like the first of all of our, I was the first of all of our friends. I felt like to have a baby. So all of the advice that I was getting was from people on Nardo's side of the family and like newer friends that I had, which was good, but it wasn't people that had known me for such a long time. Yeah. I yeah. thought would have, would have been different, you know? Or yeah, I just that someone had told me like, you know, just, just go with it. Like you're going to get it and I'll be here for you. And I also do wish that like, I had so much going on because like I had, I had never made my bed basically on my own or done dishes on my own. And now like, I'm in a new relationship. I just finished college. I'm full-time teaching. I'm going to school at night. I have two new like stepchildren in my life. Um, I'm living like farther away from my parents. And now I'm about to be a first time mom. Like I can't, I, I don't know. I just wish someone had been like, you know, wow, you got a lot going on. Like, how is this going specifically? Or how can I help you with this? It was more just like, oh, she's got it she's fine. She'll figure it out. 
than I did, but I don't know, it was more about surviving and less about like thriving and what I was doing, you know? Well, and to me, as your friend, it's your outward appearance is always like, I got this. I'm yeah. good. I'm chill, you know? And I mean, it's just, this is really part of why I have this podcast to, to like invite people to open up about what's actually going on. And even like, as somebody that's been your friend for like 20 years, yeah. I didn't know that, you know, I, I didn't know a lot about this experience and we've just, of what we've just talked about in like what, 10 minutes or something. Yeah. You know? I, mean, I can't say that. I don't really ever even talk about it. Like I can't even think about a time that I've I don't know that I've said that out loud, I guess. I don't know. And did I tell you, I probably have told you about the whole Easter thing when mm. I was pregnant Jaden? I don't think so. This definitely stands out to me. And this, this was probably one of the hardest things for my pregnancy with Jaden. So it was Easter. So it was April and he was born, I was due in June. So I was like seven months pregnant during this time. I went to my aunt's house for Easter, like we always do. And Nardo was not with me because he was doing Easter with his kids because they were really little at that time. They were um, five and eight or something like that, like perfect Easter age, fun time. So I said, you know, you go with your kids, whatever. I'm going to go to my aunt's house. Um, It was just basic family, like my mom and my dad, my aunt, my uncle, cousins. I don't even know if my sister was there, but we were all sitting around the dinner table together talking. I was huge, visibly pregnant. Oh, my grandmother was there too. And it was like the biggest elephant in the room. Not one person was like, mentioned it, you know, like, how how are you doing with your pregnancy? Like they knew I was pregnant, obviously. They knew I was having a boy. They were asking me about my cat, about, the weather, like everything except for the and that killed. Ugh. Yeah, I've you've never told me that before. And I remember leaving, leaving their house that day, and my mom just gave me a hug because she knew how how horrible that was, you know. But I mean, why they just like didn't think you should have a like? Was it your age or not being? I don't know if they. Or? I don't know if they thought that I was uncomfortable about the situation because okay. I was picking it up, but I don't know. I wasn't like I wanted them to be like, "Oh my god, like you're having a boy. What are you gonna name him? This and that and this and that. Not, not avoiding it like it was something bad, you know." Yeah. 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 That's, that's really bizarre. Yeah. But I just, I take it definitely as a learning experience because I do think that may, I mean, that seems so stupid, but that maybe they did think that I was uncomfortable about it, but clearly I wasn't, I was just in shock that you're asking me about my cat, you know? So that was hard, but I definitely learned from it and just learned to really show that, you know, I am proud. I am excited. Like, I don't know. And then after he was born, it was, oh, he's so cute. But 
I don't understand what the problem was. I mean, I know for my grandmother, she was upset because I wasn't married, but she's really old. And that's just, that's from their time. You know, they're not going to change, but I don't know. It just could have been a really nice conversation. And it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's so bizarre. Yeah. I but mean, the, yeah, I, I think especially, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know some of your family members and I, I know they're, yeah. I think part of it too is like New Englanders. I don't know if this, everybody's like this, but they're, my family has this too, where it is kind of like everybody's talking to each other about stuff, but they, nobody talks to you or the person. It It just seems really weird, but I mean, to be 23 or 24, I mean, that was like really common to be pregnant at that age, like, you know, a generation or two ago. And I mean, now I think people have kids a little bit later in life, but it just seemed, I, I mean, I never knew that your family reacted that way. That's really horrible. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what was in their head. Yeah. So I don't want to like hold it against them, but it just, it does stick with me. And like, if I ever saw somebody in a similar situation, I know this was 12, 13 years ago with Jaden. And even since then, I feel like people have changed their mindset a little bit. But if I ever knew someone in that situation, I would definitely go to them and try to make them feel comfortable because they certainly didn't make me feel comfortable, you know, yeah. and actually a good time to share this story too, because it all connects. So right around that same time, even when I, when I was pregnant with Jaden, um, there was this one teacher at my job. I teach second grade. And at this time I was teaching first grade. Um, and we were not friends at all. Like we just passed each other in the hallway. Hi, bye, whatever. And everybody at my job was very um, gossipy about my pregnancy because the way that I met him was through my job and it was very scandalous at the time. So everybody was like talking a lot of shit on the down low and I knew it was happening, but nobody really came up to me and was like, Oh, wow. What's your story? Congratulations. It was either a couple of girls that I was friends with that knew the story or everybody else that was just talking about it. So this one teacher, her name's Allison. Um, she came in my room one day after school had ended and she was like, you know what? Um, I went through a similar situation. I was young when I had my son, I felt like I didn't really have anyone to talk to. If you ever want to talk to me, she gave me her AOL screen name and she ripped it on like a little post-it and she gave it to me and she gave me a hug and she, I don't even remember what else she said, but it was just, her presence was so nice. You know, like you don't, you're not even my friend. And you could just sense that I kind of needed that, you know? Yeah. She was like a little guardian angel. Yeah. And then she ended up going to a different school and I lost contact with her. And one day, I don't know, like five years ago or so, I was just thinking about her and I was thinking how great that was. I was probably thinking about how far I've come and like my motherhood journey, I would say. And I was just thinking about the people that stood out in the journey. And she was one of them for sure. So I sent her this long 
blabbering email like hey remember me like you did this such nice thing for me it took you 30 seconds and it really has left an impact in my life and then she wrote right back like within five minutes she was still a teacher in the same district and we don't talk all the time now but we still keep in touch and I wanted her to know how nice that was yeah I bet that meant so much to her yeah yeah and she came over I don't even like a couple of summers ago and she saw all my boys and it was just it was really nice yeah and sometimes like I'm sure you do a lot of things like this and I try to do things like nice things for other people and it really does stick with some people you know yeah so yeah like the, the little things that you think like oh I'm just like being a little supportive can make all the difference to somebody and you just maybe don't know it yeah totally so I really wanted her to know that and yeah. I felt so better after I said it and it was just it encouraged me to say things like that more often you know yeah yeah that's awesome yeah so I mean I yeah it's it's so interesting to hear what your experience of pregnancy was like because it sounds like there was a lot of um like kind of not feeling seen and like not being acknowledged um for like this special gift and experience that you were having yeah um did you have any like physical symptoms or was it pretty straightforward pregnancy it was pretty straightforward I mean I definitely had the morning morning sickness um my back hurt but it was really nothing major. I worked until the last day of school. <laughs> I waddled around the classroom every day, scared that my water was going to break in front of my class. But thankfully, that didn't happen. And it was it was pretty good. I would so say in- all my- pretty similar. Yeah. Um, did, so you were induced, right? Yes. So with Jaden, my due date was June 25th and he was born July 2nd. And um, what ended up happening? Oh, so I actually went into labor the night before and I didn't even know I was in labor because I didn't, I didn't really even know anything. I was thinking my back really hurt. And then by the time I got to the hospital, I had already planned on being induced. So when I got there, they said, oh, well, you're in active labor already, but they still gave me Pitocin. Is that the same thing as being induced? Yes. So they, they I mean, did there's a, a bunch of different ways that they can do it, but that's definitely one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they gave me the Pitocin and they kept telling me, oh, this is going to be a lunchtime baby. Oh, this will be a dinnertime baby. He'll be born. And he was born at 1056 at night. So I was in active labor for 23 hours. And then I had an emergency C-section because he was just too big. His shoulders were getting stuck and he was like coming out and then going back in. Mm. So they said that it was affecting his breathing. And at that point I was so exhausted too. And the, if the option was C-section to have it be over with, I was going to take it. So I took it. <laughs> did um, you, did they do anything else? Like, did you have an epidural or anything? I did have an epidural and they had me in all these crazy positions, like mm. hands and knees, standing up, leaning over a bar, holding some kind of towel, sitting in a chair, all these crazy things. So my epidural actually came out 
Mm. And then they ended up putting it back in. It was, it just hurt a lot. And it was just this never ending. Do you, did they ever say what his position was? He wasn't breach. He was but down. Was he, um, uh, like there's a, a position that they can be in where they call it back. You're having back labor if they're posterior. Oh yes. Yeah. I do remember back labor. You just mentioned that your back hurt. So I was yeah. curious if that was maybe, cause sometimes that will make labors a lot longer and you know, you don't dilate as, as efficiently, but you don't, you don't know if he was. No, I just remember him being big. Yeah. Okay. How, what was his weight? He was seven, 14. Mm-hmm. I always round it up and say eight. Yeah. So Jaden was eight pounds. Cruz was six pounds and Gage was seven pounds about yeah. give a couple ounces. Yeah. So, um, had the C-section and what was that like for you? I mean, was that, were you like scared before going into it? Or were you kind of just like relieved that you didn't have to keep going? At the moment when they told me like, okay, we are going to wheel you in this room. And in a half an hour, you're going to have your baby in your arms and this is going to be over. Absolutely. I was so excited for it at that point. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty amazing. Just how fast it was. Like I was laying down, I was completely numb. I was throwing up. It was miserable at that point, but it just happened so fast. And then they lifted him up and I saw him and you don't feel any pain at that moment, you know? Yeah. Uh, I just wish that I had prepared for a C-section because that's a huge wound in your stomach. And like, I, my house wasn't ready for it. Um, I don't know. I didn't know any of the tricks or anything to help with the cut. I ended up getting an infection because I was just moving around too much. I was pushing myself too much. Didn't ask for help from anybody. I really didn't never, like I never asked for someone to come over so I could just take a nap or do anything like that. I was always the one getting up in the middle of the night, even though Nardo probably would have if I had and asked him to do it more, but you know, I just figured I would do it. I'm there. I'm going to do it. Push myself too hard. My wound opened up. It hurt so bad. I had a crazy high fever. Um, so yeah, I wish I had respected my body a little bit more and just given myself time to heal from it, but I definitely did the other times. Yeah. I mean, I'm really interested to hear what you learned from this experience. Cause I don't really know much of anything about C-sections and that's part of why I wanted to talk to you because I wanted to hear your experience. Um, but I, I think that one of the things that I feel like people will kind of just talk about like, Oh, she just had a baby or she had a C-section or whatever. And there's definitely a narrative around, uh, C-sections being like the easy way out, you know, just like, you don't have to push the baby out. Um, but to me, it sounds like not so much because it sounds like a very, very major surgery. You're cutting through so many layers of skin and tissue and muscle. Um, and then you also have a newborn baby to take care of. So maybe tell us, well, I also want to talk about breastfeeding. So maybe, um, we're, because I think that maybe you were that journey, that journey started in the hospital. So maybe you can talk about, um, your breastfeeding journey and then 
go into like going home and C-section recovery. Um, yeah. So with Jaden, with my first son, um, I had felt the pressure from a few people to breastfeed, that it's the best, um, that it was going to be free, that it was just going to be this bonding experience and so special. And that's really what wrote, wrote me in was the bonding. And I had the hardest time getting any milk. Like I would get a couple drops and I could have been napping them during that time is how I felt um, when I was pumping. And then when I was breastfeeding, I had trouble with him because he's tongue tied. And while they were trying to figure that out, it was the 24 hours after I had just given birth, after being up for 48 hours and having the C-section and recovering from that. And also thinking in my head, you have to breastfeed, you have to breastfeed. This is going to be how you're going to bond with your baby. You're going to just do such a good job with this. It's going to come naturally. And it didn't, it was hard. It was horrible for me, but I never felt that we, that that was how we were going to bond. I never felt like if I was giving him a bottle that I was jeopardizing our relationship at all because he was just as close to me if I was giving him a bottle. So my first pregnancy, my first experience with it, I really wanted to please the people that had told me breastfeeding was so important. And I kind of wanted to prove it to myself that I could do this. This is what I was meant to do. Natural, easy, no problem. Free, excited, great. And it, it just wasn't. I tried all these different things. I went to a lactation person. I tried to eat these different foods. I tried to drink more water, more of this, more in that to get my milk supply up. And he wasn't getting enough. So he was cranky. I wasn't sleeping enough. So I was cranky. And the whole thing with my C-section, it just didn't work out. But I did breastfeed Jaden, I want to say for four months. And every day was the worst day. It was so hard. So what was, was it very painful or what was it just, I would not produce enough milk, no matter what, no matter what. And then he would just still be starving. And then at one point his weight was going down mm -hmm. and I was just at my wits end. I could not even, I couldn't even handle it at that point. So I wasn't asking anyone for help. I was struggling so much. I was sore. I was in pain. I didn't really have any, I don't know. I didn't have any experience. So I didn't know if it was supposed to be this huge struggle. And then all of a sudden it was going to be great, but it just never got better. And I just felt okay with the bottle. And from there on out, I was so happy with that choice. So when I had my second son, I knew in the pregnancy that I was 100% going to be formula feeding. I was a formula fed baby. And I don't, I didn't really buy into the science of like that breastfed babies were smarter than formula fed babies. And I just kind of think that whatever works for you works for you. If you feel that bonding with the breastfeeding and it goes easy, then that's awesome. I mean, I can't think of anything bad about breastfeeding. It just was not for me. And I really, my baby needed a happy mommy and mommy was not happy. I was stressed out and it just wasn't good for anybody involved. Anybody. Yeah. Did your mom have a similar experience of not producing 
I think so. Because I don't know, because she did breastfeed Erica for a little bit. And then I think she stopped because, I don't know, maybe she just wasn't into it the way that I was. I don't know. Yeah. And then, yeah, I don't think she even tried. So it is pretty similar because with Cruz, mm mm-mm. And I, and I felt happier in my pregnancy with Cruz, knowing that I had already made that choice, knowing that I wasn't going to be pressured or influenced by anyone. And I already knew what worked for me as a mom. And I really just wanted to learn from everything in my first pregnancy and just grow with that and try to make it as stress-free for me. Because it starts with me, you know, I'm the mom of these kids, like they will feel my energy. So I try to keep it positive. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really important thing that is often missed that they're yeah. the, with the breast is best narrative um, Yes, that the mother's mental health is also really important. Yes. Um, and if it's being jeopardized just in service of breastfeeding that kind of makes no sense yeah totally um did they ever talk about like doing anything with his tongue tie or was that not so much of a conversation back then they did cut it they did cut it okay but still now he cannot stick his tongue out past his teeth Mm. (laughs) it looks so funny yeah but doesn't affect anything else other than he just can't stick his tongue out at you yeah (laughs) and breastfeeding apparently right (laughs) No problem there. Yeah. Um, okay. So then after Jaden was born, oh, uh, we want to talk about the C-section recovery. So what were some things, I mean, you talked about that you were doing too much. Um, yes. Were there any other specific things that you felt like you learned to do the next time? Or if you just applied them after cruise, then we can talk about his, the pregnancy with him and birth um, if you want. Let me see. So I found that there was like the silicone sheet, like a, like a big bandaid. And actually they have underwear that have that silicone thing that kind of pushes on your scar. Mm-hmm. That thing was a game changer. I love that. And I used nothing when I had Jaden, it was just those huge, crazy mesh looking underwear. underwear from yeah. And they, I don't remember anyone giving me any kind of advice about putting something there, like putting a cooling pad there, nothing like that. So I don't know if Pinterest was a thing when I had cruise or just Google, but I really looked into it and I asked other people who had C-sections and I noticed that it seemed like a lot of people had C-sections. I just had never asked people before. So I kind of gathered the advice and um, changed where I was in the bed. Like I was on the outside of the bed instead of the inside of the bed. I just made my routine easier where like if I was going to be in the living room, I'd have everything I need with me. So I wouldn't have to go up and down the stairs, which is common sense that I should have thought of with Jaden. But I think I was just very overwhelmed too. So the second time around, we were also in our own house, which made a big difference. Um, Cruz was a planned pregnancy. It was just overall a very different experience. So the, I learned how to deal much better with the C-section recovery, with making my routine easier, asking for help when I needed to, for sure, um, buying certain things. And I also gave a lot of advice to my friends that had C-sections after me. So I felt like I kind of paid it forward because I appreciate it when people helped me out with that. 
Um, so yeah, it was just, it was just a lot easier. And I also learned how to just what I, what I needed, what I felt like my baby needed and I was better. <laughs> yeah. It seems like, you know, they do enough C-sections that maybe they'd have some kind of like printout to give to everybody of like how to help facilitate recovering. Yeah. I mean, maybe they did, but I just don't ever remember it being something that stuck with me. Like, I'm definitely not going to read a handout. I'm just, my baby's crying. I got to crawl out of this big bed and move, like move all over the place. And I wasn't thinking smart at all. Um, did you, did they both sleep pretty well? Jaden, I think it had a lot to do with just the struggle of breastfeeding with Jaden. So that was just an overall, not a good sleeping situation. Um, Cruz slept beautifully. So again, that just reassured my choice as the mom to formula feed and, I got to sleep and he got to sleep and now I have a toddler and a baby and I am working and I'm not strangling anybody. And it was just, it was good. <laughs> yeah. Part of what made me think about that was that, um, with Malia, my daughter, um, yeah, that's how she always goes back to sleep. She's, and I don't know if hopefully there isn't very much background noise right, right now, but she's like almost ready for bedtime. <laughs> and, and I usually do it because I nurse her to sleep. So I'm just always curious about, um, that not being part of it. Um, uh, but yeah, it sounds like that went really well with Cruz. He was by far my best sleeper mm -hmm. as a baby. Yeah, for sure. He was good. So tell us about that pregnancy. You said that all of your pregnancies were pretty similar, but, um, yeah, for each of them, I gained 60 pounds, like mm -hmm. to the team, no matter if I tried to do exercise more or eat different, whatever, I just always gained 60 pounds. I always ate a bunch of ice cream at the end of the day. Like it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and same thing with just the basic morning sickness and my back being sore, um, but with Cruz, let me think of the difference. So my due date was September 29th. Um, they had planned a scheduled C-section because I had a C-section with Jaden, even though now that I think about it, I would have tried for, what do they call it? A V-back? V-back, yeah. I would have tried for that if I had known that Cruz was such a small baby. Like, I felt like I wouldn't have had the same problem with Jaden that did he they, would Did they offer that? Did they say? Yes, they did. Okay. So That's good to I, know. I went into labor with Cruz. Nardo and I were laying in bed and we were watching Honey Boo Boo. You know, that really annoying girl? Yes. Okay. So we were watching Honey Boo Boo and Nardo was making an impression of the mom's face. And I was just dying laughing. And that is how I went into labor. <laughs> After I stopped laughing, I was like, oh, my stomach hurts. Oh my God, my stomach really hurts. Like, I think I'm having this baby right now. So it was like 9.30 at night. We dropped Jaden off at my sister-in-law's house. And I got to the hospital and I was already, I don't know, like four or six centimeters dilated, like ready to go. And the doctor said, do you just want to have a vaginal birth? But I had that memory of the 23 hour labor with Jaden and the C-section at the end. I'm like, you know what? 
I could have him in my arms in an hour with a C-section, or I could wait all day and have it not go, have it go exactly the way it did before. So at that moment, I was like, no, I'm going to have a C-section. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being really bad because that was, um, that was my pregnancy where they gave me too much of the, I don't know what they give you first, like a sp- the spinal tap. They gave me su- too much of the drug in the spinal tap. So the, like an epidural. Yeah. But I, okay. I think call it something different for when they know it's a C-section. I want to say something spinal tap, something. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, um, they gave me the spinal thing and I still got sick to my stomach. I was still throwing up, but it happened so fast again. And I was so happy at that point where I didn't have to wait those 24 hours. Um, it was just me and Nardo in the hospital. So that was different. It was like, it was, it was more, um, like personal just to have just me and him there. And I had him and everything was great. And 12 hours later, so it was like three 30 in the afternoon, the next day, my sister was there visiting me. And that's when I started to have all these issues where I couldn't breathe. I did not know how to breathe. I was turning blue. My heart rate was going down. The doctors were jumping on top of me, screaming my name. And my sister is very sensitive to things like that. She doesn't even like the smell of a hospital. She will pass out in a hospital. And you couldn't have picked a worse person to be with me because she was freaking out. She started taking her clothes off because she was hot. (laughs) And that's a sign of I'm about to pass out. Oh, God. She was down to like a string little tank top. And she had her own nurse with her who was giving her juice and she was taken out in the hallway and she heard them on top of me screaming my name. And I was totally unresponsive and I just kind of blacked out. And then I came back to, and they were giving me all these things, these IVs. I was on a breathing machine. They brought me to the ICU and it lasted for I don't know, a couple hours. And then it just kind of went away. It was a drug overdose. Oh my God. So I know exactly what it feels like to have a drug overdose. And exactly. How, how did they make that error? So months later, I requested my medical records. Yeah. It, it was scary. It said, um, I don't know the numbers, but my mom who isn't, has been an EMT forever knows all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. it was like, I had 70% oxygen. Um, my heart was really enlarged. It was bad. And they, it was basically this, just, they gave me too much of the medicine (laughs) and I could, I wanted to sue the hospital. Not that I didn't want to, but just to be like, hello, like you, did you not know how much I weighed? Like, what was the problem? I don't get it. And basically I couldn't see the hospital because I signed an entire booklet of papers when I was six centimeters dilated in the worst pain ever. Like, I'm not going to read that. And it it said, you can't sue us. And they saved my life after they almost killed me. So I should be thanking them, I guess. I don't know. Oh my God. That is so, it was so, it was so crazy. And Erica and I talk about it all the time. Like I could not believe she was the one with me during that time because she's so sensitive to all that. So for my next pregnancy with, with Gage, my youngest son, 
that was my focus during the pregnancy. I'm like, this is not going to happen again. So I went to the anesthesiologist specialist. I saw all these different doctors at Yale. I'm like, I don't know. Did you have to ask for that? Or they were like, we need to really make sure. They made sure this, this one doctor, her name was Asia. She was so good. She was, her face stands out when I think about this moment. She was there with me for every step of the way. I don't know. She was just so comforting. She was like this cute little, like happy nurse that I don't know. She really cared. You could tell. And she, she was my, one of my doctors for my last pregnancy with Gage. And she was like, Oh no, girl, we're going to make sure this doesn't happen. She said that they had meetings about that. They've never seen anything like that before. So she really, could they look back like in your chart and see like the dosage? Yeah, it was higher. I don't remember the numbers, but that that was the issue. And it said that this was all because of a higher dose of whatever it was. I want to say it was like morphine, but that's not right. Whatever the painkiller was. Oh my god. So it was a full-blown drug overdose. Yeah. Wow. That is so insane. Yeah. Um, well, I also want to rewind a little bit to. Um, going from having one kid because how many years is between them five years so Jaden um, Jaden and Cruz are three years and three months apart oh three years. and Cruz okay. and Cruz and Gage are five years apart okay so right so, now they're 12 nine and three so between uh Jaden and Cruz like having going from having one kid for three years, then to transitioning into having two. Can you talk about that experience? So I definitely wanted my kids to be close in age. And even though I had Jaden earlier than I had expected, I definitely wanted to just kind of like keep it going, you know? So right around the time that he was, I don't know, maybe one and a half or two or something like that, I definitely started thinking about how I wanted another one me and my sister are three years apart and um all the cousins on my side of the on my mom's side of the family are about two and a half three years apart and it was just nice like I thought how I wanted them to be in high school together and know a similar crowd and kind of look out for one another and even though Jaden had two older siblings because Nardo had two other children they they didn't grow up together. They were never going to be in the same school. They definitely have a great relationship now and they always have, but it wasn't going to be that growing up together, fighting with each other, learning how to share, like having each other's back, all that stuff that I really wanted for them. So um, I mentioned it to Nardo. I said, you know, I really want to have another baby. I really, and I told him just that whole story and he was not, not into it because he are, that would be his fourth child, you know, and that's a lot to take on. We still weren't even married. Like we had a lot of things to do, but I, I, my force behind that was really that I wanted them to be close together. So he reluctantly went along with it. He said it had to be a boy <laughs> and it was a boy. So that was good because he was more excited about it, that it was going to be a boy. And yeah, that was it. Um, and then I, I don't know exactly, I don't remember exactly where this fits in to the timeline, but then after Cruz was born, then you had another pregnancy. 
that ended up being a mis- miscarriage. So if you want to yes. share about that, did, were you trying so, to get pregnant at that time too? No. Okay. So I was actually on the pill taking it pretty, pretty good. I think for me <laughs> and, um, let me try to think how it all started. I think I was just late on my period a little bit and totally not expecting to be pregnant, knowing that I was in the pill and not wanting a pregnancy, like feeling very blessed with my two healthy kids, you know? And um, I went to Rite Aid, got a pregnancy test, came home. It was positive. I couldn't believe it. I did not tell Nardo at all. And, oh, this was on my way to work, like in the morning before work. And I took the pregnancy test. It was still like wet and nasty. (laughs) And I put it in my boot. And I went to work and I saw one of my best friends at work and I was like, oh my God, I got to show you something. And I took it out of my boot. She's like, you're disgusting. <laughs> like you've been walking, excuse me. She's like, you've been walking around like that for hours. I'm like, yeah, just, yeah, just marinating in there. So I was just excited and I was surprised that I was so excited because it wasn't what I wanted. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I was excited instantly and I'm trying to think how much time passed. I don't know exactly when I told Nardo, but I wanted to do something cute with it. Cause I've never done something cute with a pregnancy announcement for him. So on my, my little, my youngest son Cruz at the time, I wrote a shirt. So I gave him, I had a white shirt and I wrote, I'm a big brother on the shirt. So I picked him up from daycare and we were in the living room together and I took off Cruz's sweatshirt and I said, go show daddy your shirt that you made at school. And he ran over to him and Nardo was like, oh, nice shirt. Okay. Not reading it, not paying attention at all. And I was like, Nardo, look what it says. It says I'm a big brother. And he was excited. Like, and this was the first genuine moment that he was excited that I was having a baby and that that was like everything I wanted, you know? So I told not, I really didn't tell many people. I told my sister, I told you, I told Kate and my friends at work knew about it. And that was it. And I, I always had a good feeling about it. I just wasn't like telling a lot of people, but that wasn't very abnormal for me. (laughs) So I had gone to the first couple of weeks checkup. And I say, you know, I'm really nervous because I'm on the pill. Like, is that not messing up the fact that I've been pregnant for a couple of weeks? You know, I'm nervous about that. I said, oh, no, everything looks fine. Everything looks good. Um, And then one morning I had my nine week checkup and I took a half a day off of work. So I had like a 10 a.m. appointment and then I was going to go into work at 1130. So I treated myself to breakfast. I was feeling good. I went to the OBGYN by myself because I mean, it was like so routine for me. So easy. I didn't bother Nardo or anyone to come with me. And they did the internal, um, ultrasound. Like it was still too small for the external one. So they did it and I'm looking up at the screen and I knew something was wrong because the, like the sack that holds the baby. And then what you see of the baby at that point, which was just like a little tadpole looking thing was laying at the bottom. And 
I, I knew it was wrong, but I was just laying there and I was in such shock. I'm like, no, that can't be. No, like I have the easiest time getting pregnant. Um, they, re they assured me everything was fine. Like this is totally gonna be fine. And the lady was holding my knee and I could still feel the way she was holding my knee. She was just like, okay, sweetie. And she kept rubbing it. And I'm like, well, what's happening? She said, I'm just gonna hang tight with you for a couple minutes. And then the doctor is going to come in and talk to you. And I was like, no, like, don't, don't have her talk to me. Like, just tell me it's fine. And I'm going to go. And I think she said, um, I'm sorry, but there's no heartbeat. And they said that um, it looked like it stopped growing around seven weeks, even though I was nine weeks at the time. So um, I guess I had the miscarriage two weeks before that. And I definitely cannot think of a time that I felt a certain pain or anything. So I didn't, I didn't know that it was happening. I wasn't bleeding, nothing. So they said that if I didn't pass that in um, the next couple of days or whatever, that I was going to have to do in DMC. And oh my God, I wanted so badly just to pass it on my own because I did not want to have to like talk about it with people. I didn't want to have to go in there and do all that procedure and sign paperwork. I just wanted it to be over, you know? And I had a really good friend of mine who I work with that had a miscarriage, not a couple of years, maybe before me. And I know she was able to pass it on her own. And I was just really hoping that that was, that was going to happen with me because I remember that happening with, happening with her. And it was horrible, but I just felt like that was an easier way to handle it. And of course, that did not happen. So they scheduled the DNC for me. And that was so hard because when I went in there, they had me like go to all these different stations to do the blood pressure and to take a blood sample and all this. And I was just crying. And it was so sad. And I don't know, I just felt like at one time the nurse looked at me and was like, what's wrong, honey? And then she looked at my paperwork and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't even realize why you were here. Cause it was just like one of the nurses that was taking my blood pressure or whatever. So it's just, I just wanted it to be over with so, so bad. And then I had to kind of backtrack and tell the very minimal people that I told I was pregnant that I wasn't pregnant anymore. And that was hard. But then it was kind of over after that. Was Nardo able to go to the procedure with you or he yeah. wasn't allowed? Yeah. Yeah, he went. I mean, he wasn't in the room when it happened and I was completely knocked out. And I remember when I woke up, um, I said, oh, I'm waiting here for a procedure. And she said, oh, honey, it's already done. And I was like, oh, thank God. Thank mm -hmm. God. <laughs> and I just, the, the hardest point was like when they told me I had the miscarriage up until when I had the DNC because it was just there. Yeah. And I just felt like it, I needed to, I needed it to be over because it was yeah. so sad. And then, I mean, I was sad for a long time after that but I also had to tell myself like I'm it happened for a reason 
and it happens it happens to a lot of people women it happens to a lot of women a lot a lot of times and I had at that point two kids and they were so healthy and so I felt very very sad but I felt like it it just happens sometimes and I had a great family and I should just be very blessed for everything that I have but it there was definitely a hole and the way that I dealt with it actually is strange I went I went back to school I went to um southern Mm-hmm. and I got another degree I just felt like I wanted to do something else even though I already had so much on my plate but that was the exact same time that I went back to Southern and I started to talk to Nardo about having another kid and I just felt like you know I have to I have to have this baby like I was meant to have this baby it just it just wasn't that one like something wasn't right with that situation and that I was meant to have one more baby so I really really wanted another one he really didn't but I got pregnant and now that I think about it it's funny because I went to Southern to get my sixth year degree because I felt like I had this hole and I wanted to do something productive maybe to help me even grieve that loss you know and by the time I graduated I was nine months pregnant with Gage because I, I graduated in December and he was born in January. So it was like, I was going to school, doing something good for myself, grieving that loss. And then within all of that, I became pregnant with Gage. And as I left Southern, as I left that chapter of my life, I was starting a new one with him and it kind of filled that void. And I ne- I'm surprised that I'm emotional about it now because I can really talk about it like it's okay because it just, it just happens. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, as you were talking about it, it's like heartbreaking to even think about. I mean, the whole, I remember the whole time that I was pregnant, that was my greatest fear was the whole yeah. time. Every time I would go and have an ultrasound, I was like, they're going to tell me there's no heartbeat and I'm going to be heartbroken and devastated yep. and never going to be able to move forward. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's, I hope it's not like that for everybody, but yeah, that's like the worst news, you know? You yeah. Yeah. Um, did you ever like talk to like a therapist or have any no. specific support around it? No, no, but I felt, I definitely felt supported through that because I just learned that so many other women had been through that exact same situation. And I was asking the doctors, like, did I do anything wrong? Was it because I was on the pill? Was the baby not growing? And they just told me too, you know, it just, it just happens a lot more than you think. I remember my mom saying that she had a miscarriage, I think way before she even had us. Mm. And just as I've become a mother and grown up and met more women and women have been more open to share, like it really, really does happen a lot. Yeah. I mean, working in, in women's health, I have a section on my paperwork where it asks about like any pregnancies, live births, and, you know, obviously miscarriages too. And I mean, 
I, a, a lot more people than you would think have yeah. that experience. And not that it makes it easier, but um, yeah, it's still heartbreaking. Yeah. And I definitely had my guard up more when I was pregnant with Gage because I had that memory of her holding right. my knee and hang tight a couple of minutes. I'm like, don't ever tell me to hang tight. Like that yeah. means something is going down, you know? Did they do anything differently throughout your pregnancy with Gage, like do more monitoring or were they paranoid about it? Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning, um, they were monitoring my lab, like the HCG level. And I don't remember them doing that with Jaden or Cruz, but I don't know if it was because they were worried or because I was worried. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, but there were definitely more um, monitoring in the beginning. And I never, I didn't even tell Nardo that I was pregnant in for a while, like a month and a half with Gage because how do you do that? I mean, I, the day I found out I was pregnant, I was like, Raphael got something to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I can't hold things in. I'm like, if I have a miscarriage, I was under the impression that if I have a miscarriage again, I just won't say anything to anybody and mm-hmm. it will be easier to deal with. Like it never happened, which right. is yeah. definitely not the way to deal with it. But I waited until my levels were high and everything looked good. And then I tried to recreate that cute moment of like, I think I wrote it. I think I did it again. I wrote it on a shirt mm-hmm. and I was just hoping for that same reaction and everything. It was a little bit less excited. <laughs> Yeah, but he was still excited and more supportive than he had been um, just because he had learned the way that we learned more about each other, you know, like as we went on our relationship and I'm sure I don't know if I even ever said it, but I'm sure he knew that I wanted that I wanted him to be excited. Yeah, he kind of owed me that, you know? Yeah. So um, then the rest of Gage's pregnancy was pretty normal and healthy. And then did you, were you, you didn't have to be induced. You went into labor naturally. Yeah. And so let me think my due date with him was January 27th, but they scheduled my C-section January 17th. And then I was shopping at Walmart on January 7th and I knew I was in labor while I was, I was in the bread aisle. I remember. And I knew I was in labor. I had Narda with me, the kids with me, a full grocery cart, like not where you want to be when you're in labor, you know? So I'm still complaining about all this pain on the drive home. I'm like trying to be a champ and putting these grocery groceries away, knowing I am in labor. I'm like, you know what, Narda, I'm just going to go upstairs and take a shower. So I just, barely fitting in my bathtub, laying down in the bathtub with the water on me, asking myself probably out loud, like, are you in labor? No, 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 no. It's too early. Are you in labor? No, 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 no. It's just your back just hurts. But I couldn't get out of my head. I called the doctor and I was still pretty sure it was, it was going to be a false alarm because it was still early. And I got there at um, like six o'clock and he was born at nine 30. Wow. <laughs> so they're like, oh yeah, you're ready to go. We're How many really- weeks you were 36 or seven? 37. Yeah. So his lungs were fine. He was seven yep. pounds. He was bigger than Cruz who went to 39 weeks and he was just ready. 
<laughs> oh, that was something I wanted to ask about Cruz. Did they ever like have any concerns about his size? They told me that he was going to be smaller, but they didn't like compare him to Jaden and say like, oh, that's going to be. Yeah, it wasn't really the doctor that I went to. You would have hated it because it was like a lot of different doctors. Yeah, you know, it wasn't a very personal thing. So it wasn't like one person being like, oh, Christine, I know what you went through with Jaden, but I, this is not going to happen with your second, second pregnancy. It was like, oh yeah, he's small. You'll be, it was just never a personal thing. And I think I would have tried for the VBAC if it had been more reassuring that it wasn't going to happen like that. Cause then I wouldn't have had a drug overdose. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I had meant to ask about that, but um, okay. So then Gage, um, you went into labor naturally. So then how did, and he was born in three and a half hours. Yeah. But you, you did have a C-section. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So did it come to the point where they were like, do you want to just do vaginal or they just didn't? I think at that point, oh no, you know what? We had already planned for the C-section because I was so nervous that they were going to do the same thing they did with Cruz. So it was down to the T, like they had this list of exactly how they were going to do it and new things they were going to try. And like this, I was all on board for the plan. So I wasn't going to change it at that point. Okay. I got yeah. There, they were like, okay, we see what we have to do. We're going to go do it. And I was not sick to my stomach with Jaden and with Cruz. I was throwing up while they were doing the C-section, which is horrible. And with Gage, I did not have any sickness. Um, they didn't drug overdose me that time. It was just a really positive experience, I got to say. They even, even my C-section scar looks better than it did the first time because they just fixed it up so nice, you know? Well, maybe the, do you think that they're like more advanced now? Yeah, maybe I just got a bad one too that time. Yeah, it could be. Probably depends on the person, yeah. 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 And for me too, like knowing it was my third C-section. So I was pretty educated on it and <clears throat> I got up and walked around a lot and that helped with my recovery only pushing myself so far, you know, but. So was, walking, walking around helps, but yeah, within reason and not yeah. up and down stairs. Yes. Right. Okay. Good to know. Well, how do you, can you lift the baby? Okay. I remember them telling me not to lift anything over the baby carrier with the baby in it. Gotcha. But not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to listen to your body. And with Jaden being my first pregnancy, all of that, and my own issues, like, like not asking for the help and all of that, it was just a storm of all bad things. <laughs> so, um, it's getting close to my daughter's bedtime. Um, I feel like I have a bazillion more questions I could ask you, but to wrap up, um, if you could share about anything you want to share about motherhood and how it's sort of changed you or your approach to life or perspective or anything in particular. Motherhood has definitely changed me a lot. It's given me you know, forever love. And it's just taught me everything about how relationships are so important and 
how I want to build the relationship with my kids and how I want to be honest with them. And just, I just want to grow with them and want them to know that we're in it together. And so it's just given me, you know, a new chapter in my life. I'm responsible now, not that I wasn't responsible before, but totally different. Responsible for the lives of other people. That's huge. Um, you can't, it's taught me not to be selfish anymore, which was something very hard because I mean, you have only yourself for all those years and now you don't come first at all. I don't come first, second or third or fourth now, you know? So it's just, it's taught me love. It's taught me responsibility and it's been great. It's taught me to reflect a lot on life. I don't know if that's the motherhood or just my age, just to think back to when I was a kid. And now that Jaden is in seventh grade, can't even freaking believe that seventh grade, like that's when you and I became friends in seventh grade, maybe eighth. But like, I think back on all the experiences I had in middle school, in high school. And I tell Jaden all these things like, and I feel like he listens to me. I mean, maybe he's not, but I just always want to keep a very open communication with my kids. Um, they're boys, so I'm sure there's some things they probably will not want to talk to me about. But the way we, I don't know, I just, I feel like, I feel like we have a good relationship and I definitely want to keep that open and going. And I want them to know they can come to me for everything and that I'm pretty understanding. <laughs> And that we'll work it out together, you know, whatever it is, work it out. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that is changing in this generation. Like, I just, I feel like parents have a really different dialogue with their kids. And that's what I hope for, too, um, as being a parent that, yeah, it is more of like an open conversation about things. And it's not so like, you know yeah Botex in the <laughs> whatever yeah. um, or like hush hush you know don't talk about yeah. things kind of thing yeah, I definitely yeah. try to I mean and some things need to be at his level but like and I've told you this before we have a family member who is an alcoholic and Jaden has always seen that has always known what's going on and that opens up the dialect of not like oh he's just it's just grown up stuff. Like, I feel like when I was younger, that was kind of the general thing for me. Like, oh, don't worry about it. It's grown up stuff. But those grown up issues start when you're a teenager and a preteen and he knows what alcohol is. We knew what alcohol was when we were that age. Like, it shouldn't be, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, just don't do it. I want him. I want all my kids to know that, like, there's choices in life. Like you see that crackhead over there on the street, they had choices, not don't look at them, don't worry about that. Like you need to do certain things so that you can be successful in life. And you have to see some things that look really bad to know to not end up like that. So we talk about the hard things, the good things. We just talk a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. They're lucky to have you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they won't want to be talking to me when they're like 16 and 17. And 
I'm already a very uncool mother, even though I'm always telling them how cool I am. They're like, they're not buying into that. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm going to be really uncool too. I mean, I already am uncool, but yeah. It surprises me. I'm like, Jaden, come on. Like here I am like driving your friends around. I'm taking you out for ice cream. I got your music on all the swear words. I'm like cringing with your friends in the car, but come on. How am I not cool right now? I'm the cool mom. Yeah. Yeah. He'll come but around. Down inside. He knows it though. Cause he does. He get he gets it. He's he's smart. Yeah. So I definitely. I'm sure he. I'm sure he thinks you're cool. And I bet all the other kids appreciate it too. <laughs> and that's the other thing too. And I told you. I know. I told you this before. Like knowing their friends, like knowing their life, accepting their personalities, just having just having fun with them. That's something that's really important for me. Mm-hmm. And, spending time with just them I've been really into going bike riding with my boys and taking them on walks and taking them out of the house that's when you get the most like connection with them yeah I mean I think people can get really caught up in like making sure their kids get all the this like schooling and activities and stuff but sometimes it's just like the simple pleasures and enjoying time together yeah totally so um you have historically not been active on social media but now you have an instagram so if you want people to come and connect with you um where can they find you i'm like really boring though it's just like pictures of my kids and my dog and my cat (laughs) people love (laughs) that i love that but what is it cf burgos b-u-r-g-o-s 28 on instagram cool not that exciting guys well anyways it's if like you feel so called mother, typical mother vibe <laughs> yeah well I like it well thank you so much for being here and sharing um your story today yes thanks for having me thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you'll be notified of future episodes as they're published. And also, if you feel so called, please give us a rating and a review to help other people to find the podcast more easily. Thanks again. Till next time.